Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,444. Today, you better buckle up because we are going on a very wild ride with a stunt coordinator, a stunt driver, and a guy who's involved in movies no doubt you've seen. So buckle up and be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Valencia, California, with a very special guest by the name of Robert Nagel. Hey, Robert, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I'm ready to dump the clutch. Let's do this. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, it's a silly question for a guy like you, and you listeners will understand this in a moment, because here's a guy that not only knows how to dump a clutch, he knows how to crush a clutch. I guess I could say, (laughs) because he knows how to do a lot of things in a car. Now, before I introduce you properly, and we dive into the world you're doing, and this movie that's coming out on Christmas Day that you were involved in, which is so cool, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Robert? Um... I'm a cancer survivor. That's probably the biggest awesome. thing. Yeah. Congratulations. My mom is a cancer survivor. So, wow. Awesome. Yeah. May I ask what you had to go through? And not all the details, obviously, but. Yeah, no. I mean, I give you broad strokes. I was diagnosed with colon cancer at 42, which oh, is very goodness. young. Yeah. And went, yeah, went through uh, surgery and it was staged at 2B. So I elected to go forward with chemo and radiation that just absolutely wrecked me. But I'm today I'm cancer free and you know, I passed on to I would pass on to your listeners, if there's any history of colon cancer in your family, please get it checked sooner than later. It, it's a very slow progressing cancer, but doesn't present itself until it's too late. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you worked your way through that. And uh, I will say uh, first part of the first year, I get to go in for my every five year colonoscopy to look out for stuff like that. So, you know, probably more information than the listeners want to hear. But you know what? And this is something, and I want to say this, I've had friends that have had colon cancer, prostate cancer, and it could have been staved off if they'd just been checked. Yeah, the key is to get checked and get checked early um, and catch it early. Yeah, so any any of you, and particularly you guys, but it does affect women too, but you guys that tend to put this stuff off, don't, right? 100%. Yeah, 100% agree with that. When I asked my oncologist, had I waited till I was 50, as you normally would, his immediate response was, you would have never made it to 50. Wow. Well, I appreciate you sharing a very personal part of your life, but it's such an important message. So I hope we've touched some ears today for people that have kind of been putting it off. And you know what? It's not that big a deal. It really isn't. No. So... Go do it. So let me introduce you here. Robert Nagel is one of the most in-demand stunt coordinators and drivers in Hollywood, having worked on nearly 90 films and television productions over the past 21 years. This includes the much-anticipated Michael Mann release coming out on December 25th, Ferrari, starring Adam Driver. But we're talking to the real driver today. (laughs) Robert's movies include Ford versus Ferrari, Baby Driver, Captain Marvel, John Wick, Mission Impossible, and that's just to name a few. He's worked with and trained top actors and directors, driven numerous vehicles from street cars to race cars, new cars to vintage cars, on commercials and TV shows alike. He's earned the Technical Achievement Academy Award 
a SAG Award winner, two Taurus World Stunt Awards, and an Online Film and Television Association Award. And if you've seen any automotive stunts in a movie or on TV, I'll bet you Robert was at the wheel. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors, so please give them a little love. Buckle up, we're going to go on a fast and fun ride today. We'll be right back. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up. But my usage was the same, and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Hey, guess what? Some of you regular listeners will remember back in 2019, I created uh, 10, 11 shows called Cars Yeah TV, where I went to some fabulous locations of past Cars Yeah guests, and we did a TV show about it. Well, they're up on the Cars Yeah YouTube channel. So go check it out at YouTube. Just type in Cars Yeah, and the shows will be there for you to enjoy. I hope you have fun watching. So, Robert, we are back. So, it begs me to ask, how did this all begin? Because the idea of a stunt driver, a racer, uh, to most of us is, oh, my gosh, this is so much fun. But how on earth does somebody get involved? So, can you take us on a little ride without crashing or hitting anything? <laughs> I, I got here today. Uh, my path was I, I was racing, road racing, semi-professionally, um, and met some guys that were doing what I do today. And at one point, uh, they hired me to come drive some race cars on camera because they wanted talented drivers to really run these cars. And I was infatuated with the business. And so I started making a transition from racing, where you're chasing the money, <laughs> to film, where I actually get paid. You're making this. the money. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and along that route, Mark, I started helping to design some of the action and it opened up a part of me that I really didn't realize needed feeding, and that was a creative side. So I really gravitated toward that, and that's what's brought me here today is that I work more to try and design and choreograph and photograph uh, the action. I just It's very satisfying. Well, this is really cool because those of us who are car people, I raced vintage cars for years. I've been in the car world for years. 
Lots of times we'll see movies, and especially in the old days, and you see things and you go, that's just ridiculous. Uh, you know, I mean, we could even go back to Bullet and go, okay, I saw the same Volkswagen three times. That car lost five <laughs> hubcaps. I mean, you know, you know, you know where I'm going with this. And the fact that newer yes. movies nowadays, and especially when you add in, you know, CG and AI and all the crazy stuff that's coming about, it's nice that now we're seeing things a little more real. And, and I'll talk about Ford versus Ferrari. Have you talk about it? Because you were involved in it. Being a racer, watching that film, I mean, I went, okay, whoever's doing this knows what racing is all about, right? Yes. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean it's really cool. So as you went through the the field of what you're doing and learning things and being the creative side, I would assume then you work closely with the directors and the actors. And as I mentioned, you even train actors how to be good drivers. Absolutely correct. Yeah, the collaboration with the directors to get from them what their vision is and give my input as far as how to do it and make it look cool and fun and realistic and also working with the actors and getting them to be confident on camera with what they're doing with the car so that it helps move the story along and keep you in the story. Well, yeah, make it real. Well, let's talk for a second about before we get into this new movie, because I cannot wait to see this new movie. The trailers <laughs> look, look so exciting. Well, let's let's they talk about you let's talk about one that we we all love and it really to me put forward the high bar for motor racing shows. Cause you can go back to movies like Le Mans, Grand Prix and all those movies that are, were so nice and done and well done, but not to the levels of today. Ford versus Ferrari. Tell us a little bit about behind the scenes and some of the things that occurred in putting that film together that maybe even have surprised you a little bit. Um, it was sort of a unique opportunity in so much that um, our director, James Mangold was not a car guy at all. Mm. So he looked to me and our second unit director, Darren Prescott, to do all the car work and figure it out. And so what I took on as my task is I wrote all the action for all the races. And I structured them in a way that they parallel the story, meaning the opening race at Willow Springs was kind of more like a street fight. It's down and dirty, kind of rough. And then as the racing sequences move forward, they get more and more refined. There is a story arc just into the action of, of itself. And so I would write these pieces for Jim and he would come back and he was ecstatic. He loved it and give me some notes and would make some changes. And then we'd go off and start choreographing the action. You know, a lot of the times you go, and especially with the proliferation of social media and YouTube, people that go into movies and they pull out all the things that were incorrect or stuff seen in the background and so forth. I would assume with, as you work with these directors and movies, You've got to be thinking about that all the time, and especially for us car guys, which is a, probably a small sliver of the audience that sees a movie like this. You know, like, wait a minute, was that the right kind of tire on that car? So your expertise mm -hmm. translates into a lot of that, right? It does. And, you know, I'll point things out sometimes. And then there's sometimes you just got to pick your battles and mm -hmm. just be like, okay, it's not that big a deal. And we'll just move on. Um, but certainly there's instances where it's, I would make a suggestion like, eh, that's not quite how that would go. We should do, you know, I would suggest we do this. And, you know, then there's a back and forth conversation and we figure it out. Do you also work with the script writers to make sure that the what they're describing on a car is the really that kind of carburetor or that kind of exhaust system or that upright or that shock? Now that you mention it, Jim would actually send me dialogue and say, is this is this correct? Or can you make this sound cooler? Or can you add something to this? So there was, yeah, there was, yeah, there was input at that level. 
So you're working on so many different levels than most people. I mean, you go back to a show like, let's pick uh, Burt Reynolds' show where he's jumping the, you know, the, the, the black car with the gold eagle all over stuff. To me, that's yes. just kind of... I mean, it's fun, but it's just nowhere near the level of sophistication of, of what kind of stuff is happening today. I agree. I mean, it's fun. You're absolutely right. It's a fun ride to watch that film. And there's a lot of cool stuff, but it's, yeah, it's definitely different. So let's dive into what's coming because this movie is highly anticipated. I, I think it's fascinating that they chose Adam Driver and Adam has really done, I think, an amazing job of coming for where you first saw him. I think it was in that series called Girls or something that he was in. He was probably in things before that. I love the fact that he was a Marine. That's pretty darn cool. Yeah, that's yeah. when I learned that, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, pretty cool. And he's really formulated into quite an actor of a lot of pieces and, and facets of his skill sets. Yeah, he's so talented, Mark. He really is. Yeah, I, I love to hear that because you worked with him inside. So how much did you get into the sh the movie with him particularly and that evolution into the car so that because when you think about Enzo Ferrari I just interviewed a guest who wrote a 1100 page biography on en Enzo Ferrari wow this is a gentleman who worked with Enzo Ferrari back in the 50s and oh my 60s God. yeah and interviewed all these people I mean he's such a complex character so yes tell us just I mean a little bit of some of the situations or maybe the interactions between Adam and the cars. And after that, I want to talk a little bit about the actual cars that are not only in Ford versus Ferrari, which ones are real, which ones weren't, how you were able to modify things, because that's the other part of it is not too many people are going to loan you a TR250 <laughs> to go, cra no? to oh, go crash. Diamond. They're dime a dozen. What's the problem? Yeah, right. Big budgets. <laughs> big, big budgets. Yeah. But let's start with the, the current movie coming out because we are all excited to see this. Well, let me, so let me just address quickly what you, you touched on with Adam. Michael wanted him to experience driving a race car. So we took him up to Willow Springs and we spent the day working with him and training him and taking him around the track and eventually just letting him drive just so he understood some of the dynamics that's involved as a driver. Because I think, you know, most people don't understand how taxing it is physically and mentally and so i think he you know and he we did other seat time too we when we were in modena we went to the modena autodromo and he got to drive a ferrari challenge car around the track so there was a big you know the big opportunity for him to really experience this and i think it was i, I mean obviously it's a lot of fun but i think it really helped with him in figuring out who enzo ferrari is the character what kind of car were, were you putting him in that first experience you're going to laugh. I start, I start when I train people, I start in a spec Miata. Oh, yeah. I just had the father of Miata on this show, Bob Hall. Really? Who designed, let's put it this way. He drew the first shape standing in front of the president of Mazda of what he thought they should build as a sports car. And wow. the president of Mazda took a picture of it and then they erased it because all the designers in the room were saying, Who's this journalist telling us what we should build? Because he was a journalist. And guess what? That was the beginning of the first Mazda. But I'm just, it's just fascinating. That's that really interesting. I just had him yeah. on the show. So I think that's a great first choice because the Mazda is one it of those is. cars that's become an SCCA spec racer. I mean, how many yeah. Mazdas have been raced? Thousands. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah countless. And it's just funny because you'll get it like this look like that. we're going to drive that. But <laughs> once they've run a couple laps in it, they get it. And they're like, oh, my God, I had no idea. And it's such a great learning tool because it 
doesn't have a lot of horsepower, but it handles so well and it's so forgiving and little mistakes show up so big that you can really, really work with somebody and get them confident in driving a car at its limit that once they've got that figured out, you can put them in a bigger car and it's much less effort. Well, he must have been really smiling when he jumped in that challenge car. Oh, absolutely. And by the way, we finished the, the day at Willow Springs in a, in a radical. Oh, even better. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, that's fun. Now, well, that proper race car, if you will. Yeah. Going from what people see as a street car to Miata to a real race car, that must have made him just yeah. feel like, okay. I can. Yeah, he, he loved it. Yeah, he loved it. And, you know, obviously, it's at the other end of the spectrum, but he did great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, can't wait for the film. And obviously, you're very proud of what's you've seen it, I assume. Absolutely. It looks amazing. Yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. So when you get into the actual cars that are being used, again, the value of these many of these cars, like from Ford versus Ferrari and from Enzo, um, these are very, very valuable cars. So how do you work around that aspect? Because I've seen rigs that you guys have set up with all these things around them, like the GT40s and Ford versus mm-hmm. Ferrari and stuff. I mean, how, how do you decide... What's real, what's not, CG. I sure there's a lot of this director stuff, but tell us some stories. Well, so for Ford versus Ferrari, um, we had, there's a company called Superformance that makes exact copies, and they're, they're licensed copies of the GT40. Land standards business. Yeah. yeah, and so that's what we used, and those cars worked very, very well, and they're you know a fraction of the cost of a real one. The Porsches that we had were, were hand were fabricated from the ground up. And then anything that really was in the deep background was some of them were, were loaners. Um, some of them were kick cars and others were just digital cars that you, you know, once they're far enough back, you don't really pick up on that. So that's what we utilize with for Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I was uh, fortunate enough to, um, I had a TV show for a year, Cars Yet TV. And one of the, the first show was actually at Superformance and I drove a GT4. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I've known Lance for a long time. And yeah, it's, uh, those cars are surprisingly, and having race vintage cars, like a real vintage car, right? Yes. Yeah. And he's such a nice guy. I mean, what a success story that business is. Yeah. And the same with his uh, with his Cobras and Daytonas. I mean, I mean, even the designer of the Daytona, Peter Brock, has one of those cars. Actually, he has two of them parked in his garage. Oh, wow. Yeah, over there. Wow. In, uh, um, where does he live? He lives in Las Vegas. So. so what are some of the maybe insider cool things you can share about this upcoming movie that people should be thinking about when they watch the movie? Wow, Insider. Yeah. I don't know. I I guess I would just say, you know, the cars from that era are just so gorgeous. The lines and the curves and just, you know, it was like the epitome of of the hand-built car. They're just amazing. Just sitting still, they look like they're going 100 miles an hour. Was there... Was there one of them that you got to drive that was a real car that was loaned by somebody that just either tugged on your heartstrings or just blew you away? Or maybe even you said, well, this wasn't quite what I thought it would be. I, so I, I tested every car that we were going to use. And one of the cars uh, that we were going to rent was a Maserati 250F. And we wound up getting two of them. One of them was from Nick Mason uh, from Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other was a private owner. And that's the one I drove was the second one I'm speaking to. And just to test it to make sure it's going to do what we need it to do. So that was my first foray into driving an F1 car. So it was a 1957 250F. And the car blew my mind. It worked so well. And it let you know immediately, don't be kind to it. 
just effing drive it. And the harder you drove it, the better it worked. It was after I ran a few laps and I came in and the owner walks up to me and says, what do you think? And I said, I don't want to get out. I want to go back out there. This is amazing. I truly, truly, Mark, it blew my mind. Isn't that a car? Is that a car that Fangio raced? That is, yeah, it was. And if you look at interviews, he'll tell you it was always his favorite car. So yeah, amazing, amazing piece of machinery. You know, it's surprising too, because it's so crude. And I mean that in the kindest of ways, as far as a race car goes. I mean, you really start looking at how it's built. There's not really much there. That was the idea. Tiny little tubes and aluminum Mm -hmm. ham formed and all this. So I think it's fascinating that you say that. I've never had the luxury of driving one. I raced a Lotus 18 1960 Lotus 18 for a while. And that car was kind of the same, not as powerful, of course. Yeah, there's not much to them. No. You don't want to crash in them, that's for sure. And there were no seatbelts. There's no seatbelt. There's no roll cage. There's none of that. Wow. You're just, it's it's as raw as it can get with a race car. Wow. Well, that's exciting to hear that that, that happened. What are some of the Ferraris that we'll see in the movie? So the Ferraris, the, the key players, uh, we built from the ground up. Um, and they're exact duplicates they're not replicas they are an exact duplicate of the real cars and they were just amazing when you say you built these cars i mean do you have a a company or did you guys hire somebody out of italy or here to to make recreate these so what we did is we you know i interviewed a bunch of companies fabrication companies that that do this stuff and i settled on uh, not just myself, I mean, but obviously Michael's involved in this. Um, but we settled on um, a company out of the UK uh, called Auto Action to build the chassis. And then we shipped the chassis from the UK to Italy. And the company in Modena uh, called Campana that has a long relationship with Maserati and Ferrari did the bodies and then married the two together. And then we had a complete car. So who gets to keep those? They get crushed. No, no, don't say they that. Will be, yes. Really? What? Yeah. Why? Ferrari doesn't want, oh. think about it. These are exact duplicates of 30, 40, $50 million cars. Yeah, I understand. Oh, they almost, it's, oh, that's a shame. It's like, it's sad. can't we it put is. them in a museum somewhere, with, <laughs> you know, in a trust that says they cannot ever be resold or, you know, it's like. Oh, I, you know, yeah. way above my pay grade. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I had, a, I had a, a good friend I grew up with, Bobby Schmidt, and this guy was fearless. And when he got out of the, well, he ended up going to the Marine Corps and becoming a pilot, fighter pilot. But out of college, he got a job as a stunt guy and did a few little movies and things and some of the things they had him do. And one of the movies he did was in San Diego and they bought three, I think they were Firebirds, Pontiac Firebirds. Uh-huh. And he was so he was so upset because at the end, one of them was still pretty good. One was pretty banged up and one was pretty mushed up. And he said, yeah, they just sold these for nothing to some guy with a junkyard. And he hauled them away. And he was like, I want that one. Yeah. You know, but yeah, all part of the budget. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Not It's not uncommon what you just described. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I want to ask you this. You've worked with so many amazing people, actors, directors, car people, uh, fellow stunt people and so forth. I know this might be a challenge, but maybe just for today, could you pick one that you would call as your driving inspiration, an influential mentor or a person that really made a difference in your life? Yeah, I've always referred to Michael Mann as my film school. Mm. I've worked with him on a bunch of different projects and watched him closely and really paid attention to what's going on. And I feel I've learned so much working with him. He's done some amazing movies. Oh, my God. His images are just to die for. They truly are. Well, And they, they have, a lot of these almost have painterly feelings to them. Um, 
you can tell there's a lot of thought that goes into backgrounds and lighting. And I know that's probably cliche to all movies, but we all know not all movies are that great. Uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of thought. But the fact that that he is the way you've described him, I think, is is absolutely fantastic. And you look forward to doing more with him? I do. I do. I think it's, you know, I think it's a priceless experience. And to be involved with somebody at that level is, is you know, very humbling. You know, one of the things that I like to ask is our challenges. And I, one thing I learned about you, and correct me if I'm wrong, out of all this stuff you've done, all the, I know you try not to be dangerous. You try to be very thoughtful, but the stuff you do is kind of dangerous. You've only had one situation where you broke your thumb in a NASCAR commercial. Do I have that right? Yes. That, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's true. Wow. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I mean, I do get banged up. I mean, there's, you know, there's an accumulation of soft tissue damage. But as far as, you know, walking away from a, a stunt or gag that we've done and, you know, being injured, I've been very fortunate. Well, you have. Well, tell me one that you can think of today that was the most challenging stunt or gag to put together. Uh, it's going to sound a little... I know they're all difficult. They are. They're all... I mean, that's like, who's your favorite kid? There's, you know, there was a particularly difficult one that doesn't really translate on camera as to how difficult it was, because if you don't understand the circumstances, you don't understand the difficulty. And that was on Baby Driver. There's a scene when we're in the red Subaru and he's, you know, the the bank robbery and he's in the middle of the getaway and he goes to get on the freeway and he's going the wrong way. So the way we scripted it is he comes down this what's what's an off-ramp, but he's going counter to the traffic down the on-ramp and sees two red cars, throws a 180, and then chases down the red cars. Now, doing that with the practical car is not that big a deal, but we did the exact same move with the biscuit rig with no rehearsals, no testing. And by the way, Atlanta has never let somebody shut down that section of uh, freeway to shoot something like this. So what they did for us is they held traffic for like two minutes. We put our own traffic in and off we go. And we had two chances. That was it. That was it. Wow. Describe what a biscuit rig is. So the biscuit rig is something I helped design with my uh, partner, Alan Pedalford. And it's a, this in its simplest description, I would call it a drivable platform that we can put a car on, put the actors in, and put it in the middle of a car chase because it will perform at the level of the cars that we're running around. And what that gives us is the physics and everything about it are real. So when you see you know, a really good example is on Baby Driver with the red Subaru. When we're inside the car and you see the actors being thrown around, it's all real. And they don't have to act. And it doesn't look act because it is real and it keeps you in that story at that moment. It's not that suddenly like, wow, that looked weird. What was wrong with that? And now you're out of the story. So it keeps you engaged the whole time. So when we're cutting back and forth from the wide and you're seeing the Subaru in a big drift and then we cut back inside the car, we're basically doing the same thing with this rig. So the environment look matches, the physics match, and the actors can do their piece and it works beautifully. I've got to think, especially for someone like you, that the onslaught of CG, AI, and we've all seen it in movies where things are just ridiculously fake looking. Uh, I know they're getting better, but what's your thoughts? I, do you Would you rather be doing things like what you just described that are really real for the actors and for the viewers? Or is it really you got to work with all those different mediums to get some things done? So it's it's not a binary choice. 
from my perspective. And what I mean by that is, as long as, you know, in my perspective, as long as the subject matter that we're photographing is real and you can play with the peripheral, there is a world where the, the, the VFX or CGI, however you want to label it, blend together with the practical effects. It's when your subject matter starts getting manipulated with CG, your eye knows there's something not right with it. You can't always point to it, but there's just, it, it sets you off like, that's weird. What? Yeah, mm, what just okay. happened? But like I said, you can't necessarily always point to it, but you, your eye knows that it's not real. Well, it's like what we're seeing now in social media with people creating AI artwork. It looks real, but something about it isn't quite right. Correct. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like even the old video games, you know, my son used to play uh, when they started getting better, but they still weren't quite right. But then again, you look at some of these in Gran Turismo and stuff, you're just like, how are they doing this? I mean, it looks. Yeah, it's come a long ways for sure. Yeah, who knows where it's going to be in the next 10 years. I think we're going to be sitting on our couch and we're going to feel like and look like in the whole room. We're driving through <laughs> Lamar or yeah. something, you know, uh, it's going to be pretty cool. You know, I'd like to ask about the future. And I know that you mentioned working with Michael Mann so closely that he's taught you so much. What does the future have for you? Because there's a point in time where even just physically as a stunt driver, stunt guy, gag guy, starts to affect the soft tissue. I'll use your words. Yeah. I know you have some plans of what you'd like to do in the future. What are they? To direct. And that's I'm making that pressing forward with that transition now very cool i want to start directing yeah now do you have some impressions on the kinds of films you want to direct do they have to be action car films are you exploring all sorts of alternatives well i'm certainly exploring other alternatives but at the end of the day they're going to look to me more for an action piece which i'm happy to start there and that's that's what i'm trying to put together now well you'll have to uh, come back and talk to me when you got your first film done huh Absolutely. <laughs> That'd be cool. I wish you the best of luck with that. So let's talk about a special vehicle in your life. One car that you've had that really stands out for you. Now, in your case, this could be a car that you just have and you drive in the street or an experience that you had in a very special car on a film. That makes the, the question harder, I think. Um, I mean, I can give you a couple. I mean, look, obviously the, the 250F I drove was just will forever be in my heart as an amazing moment in time for my life. I mean, it just, second to none was just amazing. If I go back further, I used to be a big Mustang guy. And the last, what I call real Mustang, I mean, I've had, you know, contemporary Mustangs. Um, but the last real Mustang I say that I owned was a 70 Mach 1 that was a deep black and just gorgeous. And I wish I could get it back, but I sold it to a gentleman that took it to New Zealand. So it's oh, gone. <laughs> it's a long way away. Yeah, that's going to be hard to get yes. back. Yeah, there's a lot of big car presence down in New Zealand. Uh, in fact, there's some great yes. bench racing down there as well. So, so I like to play a bit of a car psychologist. And for a guy that's been uh -oh. around, yeah, yeah, we're going to dive deep into the brain. So settle back on the couch. I'll bring a tissue box over here for you. Uh, Perfect. I haven't made too many people cry. I want you to answer a very unique question. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be. That's way too easy. This is how you perceive the man in the mirror as if tomorrow morning you were a vehicle, the actual vehicle, not driving it. You were the vehicle. What would you be? But more importantly, why? Um, how about Lightning McQueen? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know what? I, I should I mean, have thought of that. Perfect. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's uh, you know, and that's very near and dear to my heart because I have a fairly new grandson who's a little over two right now, and he is just uh huh. He his his Halloween outfit this year, his first Halloween Lightning McQueen suit. You know the outfit. That's awesome. 
Yeah. That's awesome. You know that you know they have a full scale model at the Peterson Museum. I know, I know. I you know, <laughs> he lives in Arizona. I, I've got to snatch him away and take Drag him, him there. out there. Yeah. It'll be a magical moment for him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a good answer for you. Oh, so glad you went there. That's very cool. No uh information needed after that. Right. Uh, yeah. It's it's awesome. How about uh, I just I hear the voice too, you know, right now. It's just yeah. They did such a nice job. Ka-chow. 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 Yeah, that's my little two-year-olds learning to say that. Ka-chow. So, I love it. Yeah. How about great books? Is there a book that you could share with us? Um, books. So, you know, tied to, you know, Ford versus Ferrari was based off a book called Go Like Hell. Yeah, by A.J. Bame. He's been a guest on this yeah. show. Yeah. And uh, it delves much deeper into the psychology of stuff and the games that went on. Um you know, more so than we can tell in, in, in a two-hour film. But it's a really good read, and there's a ton of information that I find super, super interesting. I, you know, so related to this car stuff, I, I, you know, I think it's a great read. Yeah, absolutely. Well, AJ has been a guest several times on this show. He's done several books. Nice. He also wrote a really, really interesting book called The Arsenal of Democracy about how Ford and other motor car companies got involved with the war effort during World War II. And basically— overnight transformed their factories into productions for tanks and airplanes and jeeps and you know all sorts of things but uh yeah for you listeners that missed that show or for you robert go back and listen to yeah him. i'm making yeah. a note now there you go That's he, awesome. yeah, he's fascinating so let's go on the ultimate drive this should be fun i'm gonna have to wear a five-point harness though for this one i think uh, <laughs> <laughs> if i could park any car in the world in your driveway and you could take it for a drive but here's the fun part you can take anyone with you including somebody from the past, is no longer with us. What does the ultimate drive look like for a guy who's been on many ultimate wild rides? Um, I guess a Ferrari would be an obvious answer, but not my answer. I really love a Porsche GT3. Mm. That car really blew my mind how nice it worked right out of the box. So yeah, a Porsche GT3. Okay. And I want Paul. I want Paul Newman to jump in with me, and in fact, I want him to drive. Oh I'll let gosh. him drive and talk. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, gosh, I mean, he's one of those real deal racers that went from acting to real racing. Yes. And an amazing individual, oh. amazing human being. Well, and the, the business he built is still raising money for, you know, children yeah. and for charities that is just going on forever uh, is pretty spectacular. But my listeners know I'm a big time Porsche fan. Yes. And I would agree the GT3 is out of the box, probably one of the best street slash track cars you can grab these days. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've had a little bit of time to, you know, to evolve that 911, haven't they? You know, since 1964. <laughs> yeah, one or two years, you know. Yeah, a little bit. They, got, so. they started to figure it out. I think they have, yeah. <laughs> and they just keep doing it, too. That's what blows me away. Yeah, so iconic. Very cool. Is there a particular track or place in the world you'd love to go for a ride with Paul? Let's do the Nürburgring. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I, I would assume you've driven that track. I have. Yeah, I, dr- I was a driver on Gran Turismo, and that was oh. one of the tracks we shot at. Perfect. I've only driven that track in streetcars, but it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty amazing. And the first time I drove it, it was sunny on one part of the track and snowing on the other part of the track. So that doesn't surprise me for a moment. Yeah, gives you an idea of how big that place is. Uh, it's massive. Well, it is, and this is back in the day when you could, you know, we had rental cars in the airport from from uh, Frankfurt, and you could go over and do that. Now they've figured out that's not a good idea. Well, you still can. You still can. Just don't wreck it. Well. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you, if you rent a car in Frankfurt now, there's a thing that's saying this has a tracker on it. And if you take it to a racetrack, you're in trouble. Oh, really? I didn't know they were doing that now. Okay. Yeah. You got to be careful. Yeah. They, well, big brother's watching us all the time anyway. So, sure. you know, they all know, but uh, yeah, that's a great thing. And by the way, great job on Gran Turismo. I just watched that movie this past weekend. I think it was on Netflix. Uh, it was really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. So awesome job you and the team did on that film. Really, really fun. Well, listen, you have taken us on a wonderful ride. I knew this would be a lot of fun. And I want to do a shout out. Thank you to our mutual friend, Henry yes. uh, Eshelman, who put us together today. And Roland Stewart, who's been a guest on the show. Who oh, can, yeah. Yeah, connected yep. me with Henry and got you on the show. So you guys all thank you for bringing uh, spectacular, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Thank you for having me, Mark. Well, this yeah. Been great. And, and I got to tell everybody, I mean, it's coming out on Christmas Day, this wonderful movie, Ferrari, starring Adam Driver. And now you know one of the many great people behind the film who's handling the car aspect. So now you have a different perspective of that film when you watch it, which I think will uh, enhance your viewer pleasures for sure. I'll be there to watch it. Is there a way people can follow you, Robert? Do you have a, a presence out there in the social media world? Yeah, I'm pretty active on Instagram and my Instagram is RP Nagel. So it's RP like Robert Patrick Nagel, N-A-G-L-E. There you go. I'll put links to that, but he's very easy to find. Robert Nagel, R.P. Nagel, N-A-G-L-E on Instagram. Uh, you can check out his adventures and ride along with him. Robert, uh, want to wish you a Merry Christmas, and uh, the movie's going to be great. I have no doubts there, but mostly I want to thank you for spending a, a fun time and a fun ride with me today. This has been so much fun. And to you and I talk again, my friend. I'll see you at the movies at Ferrari. Yes, look forward to it, Mark, and thank you again. This was this was fantastic. Awesome. So, Christmas, you'll you'll find me Christmas Day at the theater. By the way, yeah, I think so. A lot of us are going to be there for sure. Honey, why are you leaving to go to the movie? The turkey's <laughs> almost ready. Eh, it'll be it'll be leftovers tomorrow. I'll be back. See you yeah, later. It'll be fine. <laughs> this has been very fun. Thanks again. Thank you. Take care. You bet. Twenty, fifty, or a hundred years from now. Will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!